0: Good morning, welcome to Axios Today. It's Monday, May 24th. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Jonathan Swan talks to Representative Liz Cheney. Plus, venture capital thrives amid the pandemic. But first, the local push to defund the police is today's one big thing. In the almost year since George Floyd's murder, calls to defund the police have grown louder and at a local level that's resulted in cuts to some police budgets and efforts to reallocate funds to community policing and social services. Axios's Fidel Allison has been reporting on this. Hi, Fidel. Hi, how are you? Fidel, are we talking about actual cuts to police budgets?
1: So I think what people who are proponents of this would say is that... While, yes, in some cases they might be cutting funding that is actually going to the police department, it's broader than that. They would describe it as reimagining public safety. And so what that means is taking some functions that we currently know police to do and reallocating them to other parts to other city departments, for example. If if someone is having a mental health crisis and calls the police, the question is, is the best possible response having a police officer show up or a trained mental health professional? And you can take this across various functions that police do. And the proponents of this would say that for a lot of the functions that police conduct right now, we don't need to have police doing them We can have people who are better equipped to do them and have them respond to them instead.
0: And so in Austin, this is a city that's done this, right? They've shifted these resources dramatically. What has that looked like?
1: Austin's police budget is about 20 percent smaller than it was this time last year. And while it's too soon maybe to necessarily look at data and make any conclusions with it, I talked to a city council person there who was one of the people driving this, and they're very pleased with what they've done. He said he wants Austin to be a model for the rest of the world. They reinvested money that they took from the police department and gave it to have mental health first responders, substance abuse programs, food access programs, workforce development programs, and victim support and other shifts like that.
0: Critics of the Defund the Police movement point to Seattle as a cautionary tale. Why?
1: Seattle cut its police department funding. It's about 20 percent smaller than it was last year. In that time, they've seen crime rates go up um, and they've seen police response times go up. They've seen police officers leave the department kind of en masse. And people who are critics of Defund the Police say that this is exactly what can happen when you take away funding from police departments. However, on the flip side of that, people who are proponents would say that this rising crime has happened in cities that haven't defunded the police. And this past year has been a bad sample of data to grab from because we've come out of a pandemic that has seen poverty rates and homelessness increase And we know that when communities have both of those things increase, they are more likely to have more crime.
0: All this week on Axios Today, we're going to be having special conversations each day about how the country has changed in response to George Floyd's murder. You can read more of Fidel Allison's reporting at Axios.com. Thanks, Fidel. Thank you. In 15 seconds, Jonathan Swan on his conversation with Representative Liz Cheney. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Welcome back to Axios today. It's been almost two weeks since Representative Liz Cheney was ousted from House Republican leadership. She recently spoke with Jonathan Swan for Axios on HBO on how she's trying to move the party away from former President Trump.
2: It just seems like there aren't people willing to buy what you're selling. Where do you where do you get the hope for this that this is going to work?
0: Because I love this country. Uh, because uh, I believe in our democracy and I I believe in our constitutional process and system. And because I look at it from the perspective of what's right. Jonathan Zwan is here now to catch us up on what's next for Liz Cheney. Jonathan, Representative Cheney has of course been one of the biggest critics of President Trump's lies about the election, but that doesn't mean she's backing Democrats' push for more restrictive voting laws. How are those two issues different for her?
2: She views January 6th and the big, quote-unquote, big lie that Donald Trump actually won the election because there was rampant voter fraud. She views that in a silo. She doesn't acknowledge that there's a larger context around the big lie. For example, the fact that the Republican Party for years and years and years and years and years years has been telling its voters that voter fraud is rampant. And she also uh, refuses to... Acknowledge any link between Donald Trump's lie and this extraordinary influx of Republican voting restriction bills around the states.
0: So she's been ousted from Republican leadership in the House. She is still a representative. What does this say to you about what her role is now within the GOP?
2: She says that she wants to chart a new course for the party, be one of the leaders that leads the party away from Donald Trump. There's just no empirical evidence that what she's doing is possible right now. It's a huge leap of faith. There, I don't see the demand for what she's talking about in the Republican electorate. Actually, Jonathan
0: Swan. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. When the pandemic took hold, the venture capital industry braced itself for the worst, and many feared COVID could destroy startups across the country. But VC has thrived to the tune of more than $130 billion, reports Axios' technology and business reporter Kia Kokoliceva. Hey, Kia. Hey. So why has venture capital done so well?
3: One, a lot of the investors already had money ready to invest. And then they also kind of got really quickly used to Zoom investing. You know, we all shifted to doing things over video chat, over Zoom. And so they did too. You also had a lot of entrepreneurs who got new ideas during the pandemic. So they started companies and startups that would make life easier or coming up with services and products for life after the pandemic subsides. But now we wanna do things differently. And so they're gonna be providing us with services and goods for that.
0: Why does this matter for the economy or for the rest of us?
3: Well, fundamentally, startups are small businesses, right? They're building products and services that consumers spend money on. They're employing people. So in a way, we should care about them in the same way that we care about small businesses more broadly. But it's also, you know, the technology industry kind of leads the way a lot as far as how we do things down the line, right? They're innovating. Technology is constantly evolving. Ten years ago, we didn't know that we could just use our phone and get a car to show up and take you to the restaurant. But startups did that.
0: Axios' Kia Kokoliceva. Thanks, Kia. Thank you. Before we go... The Axios Today team has been waiting for weeks now for the brood X cicadas to come out of hiding. This past week, we finally started to see and hear them around Washington, D.C. I saw my first cicada carcass yesterday, but they're not quite all out yet. The number of insects could double in the next week as the female cicadas make their way out of hiding. The laziest ones will stick around until the 4th of July. that's it for us today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.